0: When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time.
1: It is the Chicago First Podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Jaima Black, welcome to Chicago.
0: Part three of our broadcast here at Cardseans Humanity Dynasty Podcast. My name is Jaima Black, and we are here with Eva Lafiva. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for coming up. Yeah. Um, We have not had many, I don't think we've had any uh, burlesque talent on this podcast by and large. So... Uh, but you were doing really cool stuff all over the city, and I kept seeing it on social media. And you were just somebody that I thought, like, man, she looks like she'd be incredibly interesting to talk to. So thank you for coming up.
1: Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for having me, and hopefully I live up to your assumptions here. But
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about the, the burlesque and the artistic work you're doing in the city. But again, starting at the beginning, like, when did this kind of enter your life? How did that happen?
1: Um, well, I've been belly dancing for over 10 years, and a lot of the work that I was doing in that field... Um, I was starting to get kind of theatrical narrative kind of outside the box. And mm-hmm. um, I started doing more work with different burlesque shows, but still belly dancing in those shows. Um, and then over time, it just kind of transitioned where with the work that I wanted to do, I felt like burlesque was the best way to, the best vehicle to kind of say what I wanted to say. So
0: That's amazing. Yeah. How did belly dancing start for you?
1: My mom actually wanted to do a mother-daughter bonding activity. And she, no way. Yeah, and she was like, let's take this belly dance class. And I was kind of like all right, I guess. And then I ended up really, really enjoying it and, you know, still doing it. And How, were you like grade not.
0: school, middle um, school?
1: I just had gotten out of college. Okay. My first year of college, sorry. Right on. So, um,
0: yeah. So she wasn't like, you weren't like five years old. She wasn't stage momming. Like, this is your break, kid. Everything's hype writing <laughs> on this.
1: No, she's always been really um, open and accepting, not pressuring me to do anything. That's good. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So you start belly dancing, then you move into burlesque. Um mm-hmm. Tell us about the burlesque scene in Chicago, because it seems like there's a lot of energy there, there's a lot of talent here, but what is it like from within that?
1: Um, I feel like our scene right now is actually really great. I mean, we have a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of tremendously talented artists, and particularly just artists doing very different things within the framework of burlesque. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people have the assumption that when you hear burlesque, it's just going to be... You know, opera-length gloves and sequin gowns, and women just being—you know—living out of fifties movie, and yeah, yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And there's and there's a lot of that, and a lot of people doing that very well. But then there's also people that are doing less which is nerd burlesque or horrorlesque, sure. What you know, there's oh like, yeah, of burlesque. I mean, um, that's Red Rum. Um, and there's you know basically any sort of deviation you can think of, or any sort of fusion. You know, there's people experimenting with it in trying
0: Oh yeah, I see all the time like flyers or, or social posts about like you know Batman burlesque or something like that and everyone's dressed like Harley I mean Harley Quinn is so huge right now anyway but, yeah but yeah like it seems like now it's it's there's different flavors of it
1: mm-hmm, for sure
0: yeah. um so when you entered I guess for both belly dancing and the burlesque work like was there a learning curve were you intimidated were you just excited to get into it or kind of where were you you know in the in your mindset with those things
1: uh, I, I, gen- I generally tend to be kind of a perfectionist. So when I decide I want to do something, I want to, like, be instantly awesome at it, which, of course, never, <laughs> ever happens. You're like, show up on uh, day
0: one, and I'm Beyonce. Yeah,
1: you, you show up on day one, and you're like, I'm going to rock at this. And then your ego is just completely checked. And, you know, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is a lot of hard work. And um, so I was training pretty hard when I lived. I used to live in Missouri, and I was mm-hmm. training um, up for, like, up to 10 hours a week. Um, oh, And so, you know, the school I was training with and and the dance style I was doing was very muscular, repetition-based. So that's just a lot of, you know, kind of what we all touched on earlier, um, you know, just putting a lot of time into... Yeah,
0: sure. It's the 10,000 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, When did you get into Chicago?
1: Um, I've been here about four years now. I was living in Spain before then.
0: Wow. Okay, so let's touch on that before we get to Chicago. What's going on in Spain?
1: Uh, I was living in St. Louis and was really miserable and I kind of had an opportunity to spend some time there um, living with my sister and I just kind of made a split-second decision to move and live there for a couple theme. months.
0: <laughs> yeah. You were like, it's either Spain or the Peace Corps and you went to Spain. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean... Uh, you know, definitely, I think I wouldn't advocate traveling to try to escape, you know, emotional conflict or whatnot. Cause it Which I feel of,
0: like is the number one reason that people travel now.
1: Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of fate favors the risky. I think it's good sure. to, I mean, risky not being, I mean, not like shoot heroin. See what happens. Calculated
0: but, risk. Right, yeah. Not know, jump in front risks. of a train and yeah. see if.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's It's all like, you know, if it's a matter of sticking with the status quo or trying something different and you know that the status quo, for whatever reason, isn't satisfying you, you might as well Why take not? it, you know, take that chance.
0: So when you get to Chicago, like, you know, after being in Spain, what's your thought process here? Like, do you see a burlesque scene, an artistic scene like that already happening? Or are you like, let me help develop this?
1: Um, well, yeah, there was certainly a scene here before I came on. Um, I I just, I, I wanted, I know I wanted to perform. That's something that, you know. Um, I've always wanted to do just have some sort of artistic outlet. And so I knew I needed to find a way to do it here. I knew that it was really important for my happiness and my sanity. And so I auditioned for a troupe called the Kiss Kiss Cabaret. And
0: Mm -hmm. I started, I feel like they've been, they're like a really well known name in Chicago, right?
1: Um, Yeah, they've been around for a while. And I I danced with them uh, for a while. And then I kind of started doing uh, more independent work. And then that subsequently branched into starting to produce some shows and facilitate some events around the city.
0: I mean, so. this has really become kind of a full-time entrepreneurial venture for you as a business, right? Like this is your full-time. Yeah. It seems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I started. Um, I started my own company in February called Fiva Pitch Productions, and it's mm-hmm. an event production company. And then it also is just kind of an umbrella for the, um, the solo work that I do as well. So.
0: so A, that's a great name. I love Thank that. You. And B, like what goes into when you decide to take the leap and make, you know, I'm always impressed by any artist who does it in any concentration. Like what goes into taking that leap and making a artistic venture a business and, and your full-time kind of like, you know, income? yeah you
1: know? Well, I, I don't think it's something you can do overnight. I mean, I've, I was working a full-time job and performing three to five times a week. Um, for many years and then
0: which sounds intense
1: yeah it was a little, it was too much it's <laughs> too, it's stupid and it's, I don't know why I thought it would work but it, it wasn't um, but you know I think I really resisted it for a long time and I think you always wait for that perfect moment where someone's going to be like now's the time you should do this but there's really not and so you just have to again fate favors the risky you just got to take a take a lunge and go for it so
0: I, I teach at Columbia College and I always tell my students I'm like listen you don't have to wait till you graduate and I, I literally tell them, I'm like, no one taps you on the Like, you don't get knighted mm-hmm. where people are like, and now you are a DJ. Go, you know, like, or now you're, a, like, you, just what you said. You have to go actually just start doing it.
1: Yeah, because if you don't have that motivation, then, the, you know, if you're an artist that's any good at all, you experience so much rejection at various points, you know, and, and you have to really love what you do and have faith in yourself to just keep going back out there and saying, like, nope, I don't care if they don't think I'm a dancer. I'm a dancer. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. And how do you get past that rejection?
0: Because I know that, I think that that's what scares a lot of people off, whether it's burlesque, whether it's, you know, anything. Any creative endeavor, I think certain people, if they hear no once, they go, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And to be the kind of person who can hear no once, twice, a hundred times, and still be like, no, you're not, it's okay, but I'm going to keep doing it. What does that take? Um, how do you do that?
1: Well, I think you just have to be mindful with how you set your goals. You know, if if your if your goal is I'm going to do this one show and that's my dream, and then you don't get it, you know, I mean, I get, you know, you guess you can set a new goal, but you know, I think if your goal is to be a performer or to be active in your discipline or whatnot, then it's the sort of goal that if you have a rejection in one area, you can just say, doesn't matter, I'm going to go over here now and try to keep this. doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So bring us into FIFA Pitch Productions and like the types of shows that you. Are producing that you are part of that you're on stage for? Like, what kind of shows are you doing? Like, I watched the uh, I've watched some of your videos and I saw the the hula girl one is really really fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, to kind of what you're talking about. Um, that hula doll act is one of my signature acts. I'm a dashboard hula doll, and the radio station keeps changing. And you know, of course, it's a burlesque act. So. By the end of the act, um, you know, I've thrown off all my clothes because it's too hot in the car, and sure. you know, um, that's how it ends. Um,
0: <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, 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 Spoilers. There's nudity.
1: Strangely <laughs> enough, a lot of burlesque acts end with nudity. Yeah. Um, but you know, I like to do a lot of different things. Like, I tend to not like to. I don't really connect with pinup culture, or even. I tend to have a hard time even always connecting with feeling feminine. I think that's part of the reason why I've liked to do burlesque, and so. Um, a lot of my routines are not necessarily, like, sexy or sexually oriented. Like, I have another act where I'm a snake and I rip off all my skin. And, like, I always, catch, I always catch glimpses of people in the audience, though, and they're just like, oh, and I'm kind of like,
0: yes. Because they might think that it's just going to be, like, cheesecake, pin-up. Like.
1: Well, and, again, like, there's a lot of performers that do that really sure. well. And it's like, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't mean to tear down any other form, but it's just not something that I, like, I, when I try it, I'm like, uh, I feel like I feel like I'm dressing up in clothes that don't feel like my own, and I, I feel like it's more of a costume than when I'm like in a snake costume.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like you want something a little bit more alt, a little bit edgier, a little bit like more unique and like left of center.
1: Sure, because that's the stuff that I connect with the most as an artist sure. when I see X, and I'm like, oh my god, you can do that with you know, in you can try this, you can, you know, like one of my one of my dear friends has an act where she does a sexy chicken dance, and she's dressed in this like Vegas showgirl. Tremendous white costume, and then she just gets out there and she starts, you know, completely deadpan doing the chicken dance. And it's one of the most hilarious and silly and stupid things I've ever seen. And it's like that, you know, that's burlesque too. Um, So, anyway, when I do my productions, I try to feature acts that I just find interesting. Um, And I have a show right now on um, the first Tuesday of the month at the California Clipper. Um, We have acts every 20 minutes, and they're all um, introduced. Instead of having a host, we have a silent. Um, skit that kind of happens in front of the curtain. We hold up a sign that announces the next performer. Sorry, there's something in my face. Um, <laughs> and then they come on stage and they perform their act. Um, and with that, you know, especially with this, the narrative bits that kind of string all the acts together, we've been able to explore a lot of different things. And um, I try to use that as a platform to bring different factions of our community together. So for our last show, we had um, people dress up as different burlesque performers in the city, and it was a guessing game of who was emulating who and a... Um, you know, we just try That's to. Fun. Yeah, it's just it's little things like that, and then you know, um, hopefully, still enjoyable for the audience as well. So,
0: how have you been able to connect to the community that already exists here and develop your own community and your own kind of conversation? You know, with what you're doing and add to that.
1: Well, I just think, you know, when when I started producing and. And I was kind of like, oh, God, what do I do now? How do, how, do, how do you produce? I just realized, I'm like, well, you've worked with a lot of great producers in your day, and you know what you like when you work at shows. So, you know, and, and so, you know, I know the sort of performer that I like to work with backstage and how I, who I like to communicate with and how they communicate. And so I just try to um, bring that into my interactions. I try to be respectful. I try to um, recognize everyone's accomplishments and achievements within the community and, and. You know, I think a lot of it's just, I guess, to boil it down, just a simple respect others and they'll respect you.
0: But that's so important because I feel like no matter what your live medium is, whether you're a band, whether you're a rapper, you're a DJ, you're a burlesque performer, like, if you're, if the producer, the promoter, the venue, your presenters, everybody involved, if they have respect for your craft, it's going to make it so much better and so much easier for you as a performer. And it sounds like you, like, being on the producer and the performer side... You're giving that to the people who are involved with what you're doing. It's really important. Oh, thank, you.
1: thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, again, you know, you can be a, an insanely talented performer, and you can have no one want to work with you in the city because they just don't want to deal with, you know, with with your drama or with with sure. the, what you're bringing to the to the performance. So I think it's respect on all fronts and checking your ego sometimes and being like, you know, what maybe I am. You know, maybe I have worked really hard and maybe I've got accomplished things, but also, you know, everyone has things left to learn and room to grow. So,
0: wow, it's like everything you're saying, like, should be in a, like, honestly, some kind of like class. I'm thinking, you know, well, just I'm like teaching classes now. No, no um, are you? No.
1: <laughs> well, uh, well, maybe I will now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it, like I said. You know, you you can't. I'm sure I, all the other presenters here tonight would tell you like you can't invest so much of your life into something I think and not gain insights on sure you know so I'm sure everyone has everyone has had really <clears throat> important and interesting <laughs> pearls of wisdom here so.
0: yeah um so when you're on stage because I think that again anybody listening watching they might be like oh my gosh like it's incredible you can do that I'd be terrified to get on stage like do you ever get stage fright was that ever something that you had or it kind of sounds like you were always just ready to get in front of people
1: um Yeah, I mean, definitely, I guess there's been... There's always that moment, I think, right before you go on where you kind of have that, like, bubbling up of, you know, adrenaline and everything. But I think once you've been doing it for a while, like, sometimes I kind of forget that I'm even getting naked on stage. You know, it doesn't really have, like, uh, it's just not significant to me. And then, you know, especially when you go backstage and people are, you know, getting ready in the dressing room and walking around naked, no one cares, you know. I mean, no one's like, oh, my God. You know, it's just not a thing. I mean, and... I think, you know, when I, when I do my brass performances, like the empowering part to me isn't the fact that I'm naked on stage, it's that I've presented something and I've tried to convey a story or I've tried to connect with audiences. And, you know, like what always feels best to me is like when people come up to me and they say, oh my God, I really loved your act. I really got the story. I thought that was so clever. And, you know, like it doesn't really matter if people come up and they're like, you looked so hot up there.
0: Right. You want them to get the concept. You want them to get the, like, the storyline, the presentation. That's the most
1: important thing. Sure. And it's really great when you get that feedback and you know you've, you've reached your goal.
0: Now, if anybody you know has caught one of your sets, if they're listening to this or anything like that, and they were thinking, like, man, I kind of want to, like, I want to be able to be part of this one day. Like, I've kind of thought about dipping my toe into the burlesque scene. Like, are you ever looking to, like, bring people in who are newer? Like, do you ever mentor anybody? Or kind of, like, how could someone approach you if they wanted to?
1: Well, I kind of... Um, was unclear earlier. So I actually do teach classes. I just don't teach classes right now specifically for producing. But um, I teach a, belly dance, oh, sorry, a burlesque class on Wednesdays at Arabesque Dance Studios, which is okay. um, by Belmont in 90. Um, and there's a lot of really great studios in the city. But I think a lot of um, what makes a really great burlesque dancer is just doing a lot of research. like Not within burlesque, even just like studying different dance styles, studying theater, studying costuming, whatever it is that you want to kind of bring to it. And then I think um, classes always help. But I think a lot of it, too, is just kind of going up there and, you know, trying to show, getting involved with a company and putting something on stage and kind of saying, well,
0: you have to do your homework and you have to show up and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But Um, classes are definitely a good idea, so...
0: How can people find out about your classes? How can people find out about your shows, what you're doing at, like, California Clipper, everything going on with you?
1: Um, I do have a website. Mm and It's evalafiva.com, and it's got a calendar and all the events and everything.
0: It's a really, really comprehensive website. I was looking at it today, and it's like, you know, sometimes websites are like, it's a bunch of dead links, and like... But yours, like, very thorough, very well presented, very, like, informative, you know? And I loved the actual, like... I don't know. I'm a sucker for good design. It was well designed.
1: I used Squarespace for the design. I really think that's a good platform. It's you hear that, Squarespace?
0: That's two free plugs. Sponsor us. Squarespace. Yeah, yeah. sponsor
1: this podcast. <laughs> Throw <laughs> us some money. Come on.
0: We're going to email this to Squarespace. <laughs> um, evil If Evil, what's coming up for you between now and the year going into 17? Like, What's on deck for you?
1: Um, well, one thing I'm really excited about Um I am really proud of our community. A couple of us came together, and we've decided to create a burlesque performer action group to prevent um, abuse and misconduct within our community. And it's mm-hmm. called because because you've got to have a good nickname, a uh, good anagram. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking anagram? for? Anagram. It's not anagram. It's the uh, acronym. Sorry. Acronym. That's yeah. It. Like shield. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's because B C A U um, S, and it stands for Burlesque Community Against Unsafe Spaces. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, I, I can't take credit for that a burlesque a, a, performer named Jin Fizz came up with it So
0: it's so um, Marvel though Yeah, it's, it's so Marvel comics <laughs> it's so S.H.I.E.L.D. sword sorry like I'm a huge comic so you can like Marvel has like 15 organizations in the Marvel universe that are all like yeah so, yeah, well,
1: you've got to have something catchy, you know. I mean, right. it's uh, and I'm a mark. I'm can't. I come from a marketing field, so it's like you know. I'm not always, surprised to hear that. Got to always have the positioning statements and stuff. Absolutely. Um, but to kind of bring it back to something a little more serious, um, right. you know, clearly there's been issues at different performance communities, like a profiles. That was a huge thing this year, um, where there's a lot of kind of covered up abuse and misconduct. And so, um, especially being in the industry that we're in, and you know, there's you know, we don't have unions, we don't have you know groups that are looking out for. Um, people involved in you know our community or the pole dance community or Mm -hmm. kind of everyone in this nebulous cloud of you know out somewhere around sex work you know um you know there's not really a lot of resources for us so we've created um an anonymous reporting system where people can uh you know submit their experiences working with a particular person and then other members are able to um email in and ask for reports on particular individuals if they're considering working for them thanks and um you know of course you know we're it's more of a database so it's not that we are checking the veracity or moderating but you know if people contact us we can say you know this this performer has been you know, involved in a dispute involving verbal abuse and it's been resolved with the person or it hasn't been resolved. And, you know, we don't get into detail. We protect people's privacy, but we give people an idea if there's things, if there's repeated tendencies that maybe they should be aware of going into a certain situation. Well,
0: it just sounds like you're looking out for the rights of performers and the safety Mm. of performers and the community at large.
1: Yeah, because, you know, the Braless community is wonderful and it's very open and people are very... Um, liberated to express themselves. And I think sometimes you get people that come into the community and they see that there's a lot of openness about sexuality and whether it's intentional or not, you know, predatory characteristics can crop up. And you know, luckily we're a pretty self-policing community and you know, we watch out for one another. But there's always the sort of situations where you you know, in every industry where you hear people working with somebody and all of a sudden there's rumors cropping up but, you know, you don't you don't know what's true or whatnot. And this is a way to kind of you know, one, take the pressure off the people that might be reporting abuse and also just raise some awareness in a way that doesn't, um, you know, violate anyone's privacy or make the victim have to step forward and and face the brunt of that
0: attack. Sure. I mean, everything you're saying, like, again, it's it's so noble. It's very, like, I don't know. It's clear to me... it, It was clear, like, looking at your website, like, seeing your social and stuff that you cared about this community, but talking to you, it's very clear that, like... You have a great amount of concern and care, you know, for this community, the art form, the performers, all that, and I think that's incredible. So that's Thank awesome. You. Thanks. Um, right on. And again, like you have, give us the website URL one more time. Oh, it's uh,
1: Eva Lafiva. So that's E V A L A F E V A. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, my next show coming up at the Clipper is on September sixth, which is. Not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. Um, and we're doing a Clue-themed show. So all of the, I saw that. That's exciting. All of the acts are playing Clue characters. So we've got a Miss Scarlet, Mr. Green, and all that. Um, and then the audience can kind of determine who they think you know, the guilty party is and, and <laughs> vote by applause. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really amazing. silly, really fun. So hopefully we'll have people out.
0: I love it. I definitely want to make it out to one of the shows. Uh, California Clipper is a very cool space to do this. It's
1: wonderful. And I can't just before we go, I, I really have to give props to um Hogsalt, a company that owns Love um, Hog Salt. Clipper. They they were the really a huge catalyst for me starting producing. They've been nothing but supportive to me and they've um, you know, really done something great for our community just by being willing to, you know, put on you know, put up the clipper and yeah. It's been something really wonderful in my life, so
0: they're that's wonderful. amazing. Yeah.
1: Patron their bar because they're good people. Tell Layla, the GM, that Megan or Eva sent you. Sorry, that's not my name. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say.
0: Yeah, yeah no, uh, love for Hogs Hot. We collaborate on their Between Bites series oh, that they okay. do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, Eva Eva, another creative artist in the city who I've been aware of for some time. And I'm really like, I feel like we started talking about doing this a while back, and we're booking so far in advance now that it's like, it took until now to finally, like, kind of land a date for this. But I'm so glad we got to have you up. Thank yeah, you. my Like, We don't have very many, like, burlesque performers come up. So thank you so much for coming up. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that. this has
1: been wonderful. Thank you very much, too. Awesome. Thanks. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at
0: DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.